Welcome to the Full 60 featuring Craig Custance and presented by The Athletic. Each week, we'll dive into the biggest stories in hockey while bringing in unique voices to entertain and explain all aspects of the game. Hey everyone, this is Craig and welcome to the latest episode of the Prospect Series of the Full 60. I feel like it's been a minute. Did, did we skip a month, Corey? We must have. Did we yeah, do it in... Yeah, time kind of flies right now, right? Holy cow. It, it, it does fly. Um, and this is the this is my favorite episode, my second favorite episode of the year um, that we do every year. It's getting Corey on a week before the draft because now everything is starting to take shape. There, you know, there's some movers, there's risers, there's fallers. Sometimes we do a mock draft. Corey didn't want to do a mock draft this year, which is fine. I'm not going to judge, Corey. But we have a lot to cover. So first of all, thanks for doing this. How are you holding up? I'm doing well, thank you. Was, is the favorite episode the one where we discuss all my flaws? <laughs> yes, it is. I wasn't thinking of that one, but it, you, that is the correct answer now that you mentioned it. The What I Got Wrong episode. When is that? That's a great episode. I haven't um, figured out when we're going to do that one this year because we don't really know when the NHL year is going to start. So we'll have to put that one as a TBD. All right. Well, it is. that is my number one favorite one. Thank you for reminding me of my favorite episode of the year. Uh, no, my favorite episode of the year is when we do best of the year, and I don't have to record anything. I get to take a week off. That's my favorite episode of the year. That makes a lot of so, sense to me, too. All right, so here's where we're going to start out. We are, as we record this, at 1041 Eastern on Friday, we are closing in on the final days of the draft. And there are some very distinct big issues at the top of this draft um, that are being discussed uh, a lot. And I want to hit those and get your thoughts on what the latest is and and what you're you know what what you think is going to happen and um you know one thing and you address it, so in, if you're listening to this I, and you're on a laptop and you might be running or something so don't doing this if you're like running or driving but a good companion piece would would be um, Corey Promen's mock draft did a seven round mock which is crazy Corey that's that's a new addition to your repertoire right the seven round. Yeah, we got inspired by some a our NFL writer who did it, and it seemed to be pretty popular. So uh, yeah, no, it was interesting. I, I enjoyed doing it. Yeah, I, and I'm just, I, I, I can't wait for you to be spot on in round six, like every pick. Um, so you addressed this at the top, and I thought it was interesting because you, you acknowledged that the very top, the New York Rangers pick, there was kind of some early chatter. Hey, would they trade this pick? And for any number of reasons, and we can talk about what that would look like. Um, and then you just said that talk disappeared. What do you think? Was that just people saying, hey, maybe they don't need another winger? Or what do you think the thought was there? Yeah, that nobody was ever trades the number one overall. Never, well, never is probably not 100% accurate, but extremely rarely. Um, I think, you know, the, the 03 one was traded, right? Um, All right. So I, I, you, mean, you know what I mean. I was just saying. Um, yeah, I mean that was the logic. Was the number the number one pick? Uh, you know, in regards to the Rangers, you know, you looked at the depth chart and you're like, yeah, they have all these amazing pieces. They have Kako, they have, um, you know, they they have Panarin, they have all you know all these all, all these various pieces throughout the organization on the wing and on D. They don't really and and while Mika's a manager is great, they could probably use a true like, clear elite number one center. Um, maybe a, that'd be a little, little bit younger type. And you know that's kind of where like the like the I think a lot more rumors than than actual substance of like the Jack Eichel stuff started to pop up and, and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But I, I think that was just people connecting dots. I I haven't heard anything really substantial about that, pretty much since the lottery. Does Jack Eichel for the number one overall get it done, or does one of the other two sides have to sweeten that in a in I, a vacuum? In the discussions I've had with NHL people, they believe the Rangers. Uh, uh, would need to add to that, um, and, yeah. I, and it's, I realize that there's just like the concept of that is for you as an editor is probably just like would, just makes you probably so excited that that, <laughs> that could even possibly happen. Oh my god! Yeah, go, you, know, you know we'll just have like a billion stories about that for like the next like two years. Well, um, that was my biggest disappointment was that that Bob threw it out there and then shot it down all within the same string of text or tweets. So we yeah. didn't even have we couldn't even dig into it and speculate. He took all yeah, the fun I, out of it. I had heard about that like a couple of weeks ago, and I and I had always also heard that I didn't think it was like really substantive. I think it was just people like I think I think it's, it was a lot of connecting dots and just yeah, 
it wouldn't surprise me if there was, you know, mild discussions or anything like that. But I, I haven't gotten the sense that that was something real that was happening. Can you imagine if, I mean, you saw the pain that franchise went through to get that Eichel pick. Like, just Tim Murray stripped that thing down. Like, like that's a tough sell, even if you're getting Lafreniere in a great package pack. Like, no, I, I was thinking about that uh, this year, because I'm sure you might recall, um, you know, people discussing the, the lottery format and yeah. how that's unfair to Detroit. Or, or other organizations that have performed poorly and it doesn't guarantee them a top pick. But I think it's it's easy to have a short memory and forget that 2015 year where, you know, if like, towards the end Buffalo was playing Arizona and both of them were in a race to the bottom there. And and there was a, oh there was a home game in Buffalo and the Sabres fans were cheering for Arizona goals. Um, <laughs> it, it was a really bleak environment at that time. And it's not it like might have been a low point <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, rebuilds. Um, I didn't judge it like gosh oh. I mean th- think of how different history is in that game what if Ari- like I don't, I don't even remember who won the game but like what if Arizona wins that lottery or you know it, it, it's crazy how yeah much, so I mean, and, and not like things in Buffalo or Arizona are dramatically better since then but or like, Edmonton even yeah you know I mean th- I mean Edmonton you know at least Arizona did make the quote-unquote playoffs and you know Ar- and Edmonton was in the play-in and Buffalo wasn't in either. So, you know, there's probably some degrees of better, you know, output from those organizations. But not, none of those three are really in a tremendous spot right now. If you were buying stock in a franchise for the next five years, who would you buy it in? Edmonton, the Sabres, or the Coyotes? It would definitely, between, between, it would definitely be between Edmonton and Buffalo. I don't think Arizona has the pieces yet. Yeah. Um, especially since they'll probably lose Taylor Hall. Um yeah, I mean, at least Buffalo and Edmonton, you can see the pieces, particularly Edmonton. I mean, you have two of the top whatever, five players in the league. That's the starting point you want. And I think Eichel's amazing. And I think Rasmus Dahlin is going to be amazing. But you yeah. got to go with Edmonton just because they have, you know, two Hart Trophy candidates on their team. All right. I'm, I'm really keeping it off. We've already gone off the rails. All right. That's so fine. big issue number one. Number one overall is not being traded as of right this second. Now, of course, with the caveat, anything we say can change immediately. Number two at the draft, the Los Angeles Kings are interesting because, like, I didn't know that we were debating this. Like, I woke up one day and it wasn't Quentin Byfield anymore. Like, it just seemed, when did that, can you tell me when that happened and where where did things stand with the number two pick? I think that debate was developing in the industry uh, right, you know, through those last couple of months of the year. Yeah. Uh, Really, when you kind of saw how Stutzla was playing, um, through the World Juniors, where I think it really kind of hit an inflection point, and then until those last couple of months there, um, where Stutzla continued to play very well, and Byfield kind of slowed down a little bit in the OHL, um, and and it, and it really is a I would say a pretty significant debate right now. Um, I mentioned this in the piece, but you know I talked to a lot of NHL scouts, and there are some. Who, and I occasionally you'll find these people, but I find a lot of people think either Byfield is clearly better or Stutzla is clearly better. Um, and I think it's going to be... That's a- wild. Like, that's wild that people feel that strongly. One, It's not like, hey, this is a coin toss. It's like, no, 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 this guy's way better. That's crazy. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, there's so many, you know, they're very different players. One is like 6-0, one's a 6-4, one 6-4. Um, they're both great skaters, but I'd argue Stutzla is a better skater. Uh, some feel their skill level is equal. Some feel Stutzel is more skilled. Some feel Byfield is more skilled. Uh, there's questions on whether either of them are a better playmaker or not. Um, it's, uh, it's like I said, it's, it's, it's been interesting to watch develop, and I think the debate won't end on draft night. I think you're going to see peoples who had those strong opinions continue to debate those two. Uh, into the coming years yeah that's going to be one of those yeah debates that keep on going and for the purposes of your mock draft you had Stutzla two um how like was that you feel good about that right now like that's I, I feel what's your confidence level on that one I'd say about 60 70 percent confidence okay I think I think there's like I said I think I I'm, I know they've been debating it um, and I think that's been the kind of the sense I've gotten lately is that, that's where they're that's is that's where they're leaning. But I, you know, drafts on Tuesday, you know, things can change. 
Um, so, and I can't pretend I have a perfect microphone in their in their boardroom. Um, but but that's been the sense I've been getting. Okay. Um, if it's a Corey Pryman pick, who are you taking? And I won't do this for every pick, but I, I think I, I, I mean, I've seen your rankings. Who are you taking it to? I'm taking Byfield. I just think, you know, the, the 6'4 center who can skate and has high-end skill. And I, and I, this is the kind of the, the debate point. Some feel his hockey sense isn't really good. I personally think his hockey sense is really good. It's not like, it's not like special or anything like that, but I think it's really good. And I think he just has all the components, I think, to be a star number one center in the NHL. And I, I just, I think Stu, there are some things Stutzel does a little bit better. I think he is a better skater, even though I think Byfield is a really strong skater. Um, but and I just don't think the skill gap. The people for the people who advocate for Stutzel, I don't think the skill gap is that is that is as large as, as they think it is. Um, that that'd be my preference. Is there a scenario? We haven't heard any of this, but if you're the Kings, already loaded, um, you've got pretty good centers in the system. Are they a trade down candidate? I wouldn't say so. I don't think they have. I don't think they have the Stutzel or the Byfield in their system yet. I think they've got some really nice players. I think Turcotte's a really good player. I think Tyler Madden's a really good player. I think uh, Fajimo and Kaliev and Bjornfoot, Those are all like great prospects, uh, but they don't have that foundational number one guy. Whether it's Stutzel or Byfield, they, then they need that guy. Um, so I, I mean, this is you know, there, there's. It's probably I would say the opposite of what you just said. You know, their system has all the nice pieces. They don't have that top guy though. So I think you're just wrong. Sorry. <laughs> I disagree. I think they have five great uh, foundational centers. I mean, okay. I was I was including Kopitar in, in my in math in my head. Like, you know, they have is, centers he, is, in, the, is, is in the organization. How, how old is he? Uh, how old is anybody, Corey? I don't know the answer to everyone's age, correct? <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. I, mean, I just because you haven't heard. And, no, and again, nobody has ever traded at the top of the draft as i mentioned earlier so it's it's so unlikely but um you know i just wonder and and i'm always you know we always talk about positional need and and best player available and all that and you know you just sometimes you don't you don't want to outthink yourself there um so it so then the the next interesting choice to me then let's skip down and and we're not gonna go through the whole first round but these are if we're talking the big issues in this draft it's four like yep this is where the draft begins. And, and I don't think you ever want to be that team. Like, I feel bad for the Detroit Red Wings on some level because, you know, they probably should be in that top three getting a no-brainer here. And now they've got to set the course for the rest of the draft. And, I, and, and, like, and, and I'm and, in Detroit. And their, dis- and their decision will be hyper-analyzed. It's going to be hyper-analyzed. And, and it, it, it won't be criticized in Detroit because it's still Steve Eiserman And he's still in the he-can-do-whatever-he-wants phase. He's got about one more year of that, I would guess, before fans here um start to get critical but really so i'm still... surprised I, I, I feel like oh man i mean there's just so much work to do there like i can't believe you would say like the one more year is is, is the patience threshold there i i mean you don't get a, look you, you don't get 10 years to rebuild a thing let's go i would say like i guess because it's eyes i mean he gets additional honeymoon what, they but they win I, like 10 games last year how much better do you think they're going to be next season maybe he has two more years of honeymoon like how long did honeymoon does new gms get Corey, they never get I, more than two I, or three years. I, I, I tend to agree with you. Like I understand, in, in a typical situation, the patient threshold is low, but like they they start off at a real low point there. Like right. there's so maybe Eisman has a couple more. So he he does have so he can do whatever he wants here with like, with what, immunity. What are they gonna do? Add like what like forty five points? Become a playoff team? I'm just saying, you have to. I'm sure fans will want to see some significant progress after next year in That's the rebuild. Fair. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and right now he doesn't. He still has the. He's still in in the honeymoon period because he's Steve Eiserman. His the team he built just won a Stanley Cup. There's a you know he's got a lot of equity. I would say in the fan base. Um, so he can. So really, like you, you like he can go Askarov here, and nobody's gonna. Everyone's gonna be like, well, Steve knows what he's doing. Um, so let's start very generally. Red Wings at four. Like, what are you hearing? What, what what's happening there right now? The names I've heard the most often have been Perfetti, Askarov, uh, Cole Perfetti, the Saginaw center, As- Yaroslav Askarov, the Russian goaltender, and Lucas Raymond, the, the Swedish winger, have been the three players I've heard the most often. Like I've heard people like men- if mentioned if it was a defenseman, it would be Jake Sanderson, but I haven't really heard that one too much of late. Um, the the three players I mentioned before are the ones I've heard the most often. But and that doesn't mean and you know yeah I'm not gonna pretend like you know. Steve Eisman usually does a pretty good job of hiding this stuff, but um, 
um, even dating back to his Tampa days. Um, yeah, like, like, you know, but, and sometimes it was a little telegraphed, like the Jonathan Drouin one was pretty telegraphed. Um, but this later, I don't know, wasn't one. that Seth, wasn't that supposed to be Seth Jones? I mean, it wasn't like, it, it was, it wasn't, wasn't like Drouin was right in that mix. And I think people knew he was being interviewed pretty heavily by Tampa yeah. at the time. But like, um, regardless, you know, like, but then there was the Slater Cuckoo one at 10 that kind of threw people off a little bit. So, you know, um, there's a little bit of that, but I'm hearing those three and in particular Perfetti the most. So we've been hearing Cole Perfetti since how long have we been previewing this draft for about 10 months? We've been hearing Cole Perfetti pretty much that whole time. Um, Moritz Sider, we didn't hear Moritz Sider until about 15 minutes before they picked. What what makes us think that Detroit is going to, like, it would be out of character if it's Perfetti, in my mind. Possibly. And like I said, I, I just have to go with any, the information I have. No, I, I know, I know. Pretend, I'm saying it's 100% going to be that guy, but that's just the one I've heard they've been doing the most homework on, and uh, people around the OHL seem to think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that, that's basically that's what I'm hearing, and I think it'd be a per- perfectly reasonable pick of that slot. To be quite honest, like he's a, you know, guy scores a billion goals and points wherever he goes. He has elite skill, elite hockey sense. I think you could do a lot worse at four. Don't they have some connections to that Saginaw team? Like, does that organizational, I guess, I mean, knowledge they are, they, help? They are at all? like an hour drive away from them, and that's, if that's what you. Yeah, mean. I mean, no, I mean, I realize there's proximity <laughs> there, but it's not like they just only draft people from you know Windsor. Um, Otherwise, they I, would like, have like, Quinn Hughes. Jim Devolano, I think, is has a cut. Isn't there? There's. I feel like there's some. Yeah, there is. There. A, there, there, there is some connection. I, I don't know the exact one, but I've heard yeah. that mentioned to me before. Um, Lucas Raymond is his gets to build out the sample size, uh, albeit not huge, but looks nope. good in, in, in early playing. I, I know Steve Eiserman has said uh, it, during his Zoom call with media on Thursday has said, "Don't read into that. Like they're not weighing any of that." Um, but come on, recency bias is a thing in scouting. We see it all the time. Guy has a great U18s. He jumps into the first round. How is how how does the Lucas Raymond success factor in here? Yeah, it is a thing. I don't think his success though has. I mean, I I have watched his first two games. I haven't didn't watch his game yesterday. He'll have one more game before the draft. I would. He looked pretty good. I wouldn't say like he looked so amazing that you're like, oh my god, this guy is just like playing above, you know, way above his head kind of thing, or not above his head, like, he just, you know, he's exceeding expectations, like, significantly, even as, like, a high-end prospect. Um, I wouldn't say he's looked that good. He just, he, he scored one goal, he had one, like, primary assist that was kind of like a five-foot pass. Um, you know, you look, to, you watch him, he makes some nice skill plays, he moves the puck well, like, things that you usually see Lucas Raymond do. Um, but I wouldn't say I was, like, blown away by him watching the first two games, and I'm pretty sure from... You know, if they, if they were watching my pro, I'm sure they wouldn't say, like, he just exceeded expectations. Whereas a guy like, say, Jake Sanderson, who ended his year just dominating the last tournament he was at, like, just like he was the clear best player there. That's the kind of usually the more thing where you're like, okay, I've never seen this before, but holy heck, did he look good. Um, like, that's usually, I haven't seen that kind of event yet from any of the Europeans. Even Askarov, who the hype seems to be a little bit more stringent for, you know, not stringent, uh, a little more significant for him. Um, I mean, he played. He had two and a half starts. Like you know, he just like it wasn't like he had you know like weeks of great performance. He had two and a half starts, and then he put in quarantine, and he's not going to start again until the draft. So like, I don't know if that's really enough to move the needle that much. Uh, that's enough sample size for me with a goalie. That's all I need to see. Two and a half. And they be- were impressive. Like I watched the games. They were. They, he was impressive, but like you know he. Like the two games before that, when he played in like their minor league team, he wasn't as good. So I don't know. Like it's I, I I'm skeptical that's going to. I've had people arguing to me though those two starts really you know helped his his case, but I don't know. Like that seems I I, I I I tend to believe that the people making these decisions are a little more rational. I would hope. So. I do not want to be the guy at the draft table going, I don't know, guys. He looked good last start. You know what I mean? If you're doing that. Then, yeah, no, I, I mean, like, you know, I've, and I've had this argument with a bunch of NHL executives, you know, they'll say, you know, you don't throw out two years worth of research for two weeks, <laughs> no, you know, no. you know, it's just, and I think you see that more with, like, the, when the people were talking, like, like the, this guy's having a good preseason or whatnot, I'm like, guys, like, nobody cares, like, you know, like, I mean, they care, but, like, they're not, it's not moving the needle that much. Okay, 
so no, knowing that we really don't know what Steve Eisenman's going to do, uh, uh, he he said it to close his press conference yesterday. Don't ever read into anything with me, and it, it, like he, he was kind of just saying it jokingly, but it's it was really it was really as honest as thing as I've heard at a press conference. Like, what are the chances in your mind? Askarov goes four that the Red Wings just say screw it, we need a goat franchise goalie. He's the biggest difference maker in this draft. I've heard, I would say twenty percent chance. Twenty percent. Okay, yeah. that's not I, I, not a chance. Yeah, I would say you know I would, if I was to like you know you know if I was to hedge it right now I'd say like twenty percent Askarov, fifteen uh, percent uh, Raymond. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, what, what what am I at right now in terms of math? Like <laughs> you 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 still have thirty five. You have sixty five percent left. Yeah, I was gonna me. say sixty percent Perfetti and like five percent Field. Like that's okay. kind of how I would. That's how that's how I would make the odds as we record this on Friday. Things yeah. can change obviously in the next couple of days based on the information I currently have. Can I get the um, field at like a ten to one payoff yeah. if we make a side bet? Uh, yeah. well, well, we can take care of that off off okay. uh, off uh, when we're not recording. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I, the argument I've heard to me about Askarov from the people who think that they might take him is that I think they realize that this is going to be a significant project in Detroit. And, you know, Askarov may not come for two years, but he may not come for longer than two years. I mean, Ska tries to extend those guys. Like, they, they, they extended Marchenko. I'm sure they're going to try to extend Pekolzin. Um, You know, they might try and sign him for another year or two. So I think in, I think the Detroit management is very cognizant of the fact that this is not a two-year fix. Like, this is a, you know, this is going to take three, four, five, maybe even six years to really get it together. So if you take the goalie now, he doesn't come for three or four years. Like, it is what it is. But, you know, you're... You're not going to be ready to win probably until he's ready to come. Who has to sweeten this trade? Detroit sends the number four overall pick to Tampa for Kucherov because they're in cap jail. Detroit's got to sweeten that, eh? Wait, what? <laughs> I'm just saying. Who? Which side has to make the, the the? What more does Detroit have to send to get Kucherov to get Lightning out of cap jail? The four. Kucherov, I mean, Kucherov's a pretty. I would imagine four is not a. Kucherov's level okay. asset, right. but like, right. uh, and, and th- these kind of trades are complicated because you're talking about a player who you won't get to pay. You can pay entry level money to. Yeah, that's valuable. As opposed, to a, as opposed to a guy who I don't know what he's going to make. He's going to make a lot of money. Uh, you know, it's uh, isn't he? I forgot his contract. He's signed, isn't he? he yeah, uh, he's signed. It's it's yeah. it's a lot. Yeah, I'm just trying to solve yeah. Julian Breezebaugh's all of his issues with one big trade. That's all. I'm I'm here to help. I don't know. I feel like the, I mean, wasn't he one of their best players in the playoffs? He was really good. Playoffs? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was I, there. I'm not, I'm not sure that's a solution right there. Nine point five million is the cap hit on Cooch. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of skeptical of that. I'm not all sure right. where you're getting that one, Craig. <laughs> no, i just I just thought of it. Um. All right. So uh, one last thing because I like this pick. I I love the four because it's everything. Um. And you like talking about Detroit. I do like talking about Detroit. Cole Perfetti or Dylan Larkin, who has a better NHL career? Um, I would lean Larkin. I'm a really big Larkin fan, I think. Um, yeah, I, I just love Dylan Larkin. Okay, I'm just trying to figure I think he's a star. Like, I just... Yeah, and I, I realize he didn't have, like, giant numbers, like, you know, re- recently. But, obviously, there's not much of a supporting cast there. Um, I, I'm a big Dylan Larkin believer. But I, I think it's close. Like, that's why I paused there. Like, um, like I love both of those players. I think both of them are, like, really, really elite talents. Um, they're very different kind of players. That, you know, Perfetti will cre- create in much different ways and yeah. uh, run your power play and... Um, and but not provide as much as the hard or the speed elements that that Larkin will. Like, I think it's pretty close. I would lean to Larkin, but I, I think it's close. Okay. Um. All right. So one of the fa- another fascinating thing that's happened in this draft to me again, there hasn't been games aside from a, a sprinkling of games in Europe. And Jake Sanderson, who uh, you know we all can agree finished strong and and is you know a good prospect, but I feel like he he has somehow improved his stock by doing nothing for months here. Where where do you see him going and why has he why does he seem to be the flavor of the draft heading into the draft? Kind of what I mentioned there earlier um it wasn't it isn't because of the lack of the games. I just think he, you know, nobody ended their season on a higher note than Jake Sanderson. Um 
I, it was I, you know it was that tournament in February. There was the showcase game too in January that helped him, but it was really that tournament in February um, where I think he was second in points and I think first or second in goals um, among all players. Um, it was the best U18s among Sweden, Russia, Finland, Czech Republic, United States, and you know he was the clear best player there. Um, and just I, you know, he, even though that USA NTDP 2 offense was was kind of like was it was you know very mediocre, was probably not one of the lower uh, end four groups I've seen coming out of the NTDP. You know, they they were they were they were the top two team at that tournament. They came within a, I think a goal or so of winning that tournament. And, and he was a giant reason why. And, you know, he impacted the, the game every shift he had. Um, I mean, and and that and like all the decision makers were there watching that uh, for a week. And, and I think it just you don't just evaluate based on one week, but that was you know that was really a, a huge moment for his season. And I think people come out of there were thinking like, whoa, this guy's really really good. Um, and that's when you started hearing the. Okay, he may not be top ten. He might be top seven. Might be top five. Kind of thing started start to really kind of build. And then of course, you know, he had a couple of games after that. But that was really right when the season paused, like shortly after that tournament happened. I feel um, like you didn't so love that, him, I or you don't was, love him. Do you like him yet? Where are you at on Jake Sanders? I, I I have him ten on my board, but I I do think he's a really good player. I think he's like a yeah. two three defenseman in the NHL. Like he's like he's a good player, and I think he's probably going to go somewhere around that. You know, he's going to go somewhere between like I say five to. Seven or eight, so I'm a little bit lower, but not dramatically lower. Like he's yeah. a really good player. Like I think he's a. I don't know if he's like Ryan Madonna Campus Lindholm, but I, I don't know if he's like significantly worse either. So like you know, there's. I, he's he's a great. I just I have some mild questions on the offense, but he's he's a really good player. Okay, if you're take but if you're taking a D for whatever reason, you're taking who are you taking? I don't want to put words in your mouth. I, I take I prefer Dr- Jimmy Drysdale. Um, I don't think Jamie Drysdale is significantly better than Sanderson. Um, I, it's, it's reasonably close for me, but I would lean to Drysdale. I have more confidence in terms of his puck-moving skills um, that there's a little bit more there. Yeah. Um, and just for the listener in the in Corey's Maki, he's got Jake Sanderson going five to Ottawa. So Ottawa walks out with Byfield and Sanderson. Pretty nice little haul for the Senators in their rebuild. Um, we've talked about Askarov, but I we've talked about we talked about him at four. We've talked about the impact of him playing. We haven't talked about the, his most likely destination. Um, if if you were to handicap, I like the percentages that you did on on uh, I forgot what, whatever player it was. We're if you if you do, were to do percentage teams on Askarov, what does that look like? Oh boy, um... <laughs> I'll I'll try to do the math while you're talking. Yeah, and no, and just good. to give you some thought in, in Corey's mock latest mock, and again this can change because I, I believe he's going to have one more before the draft. He's got him going number eleven to the Nashville Predators. Yes, I got to give them the highest odds. So, but the highest odds wouldn't be really high because I've heard him mentioned like that's that's been the toughest. That was the toughest part of putting a mock draft together for this year. Is yeah, I have no idea where it's going to go. I've heard him mentioned in Nashville, heard him mentioned uh, to Detroit, to Ottawa, to New Jersey, to Minnesota. Um, to Carolina, um, it's really tough. Like, and I think you, you hear teams lower that are interested, but I'm, I have my skepticism. He'll be available lower, um, just because of so many of these teams mentioned high that seem to have some interest in and in, in using their pick on him. I got you know if he's gets available past like you know into the mid teens, it, it would seem unlikely at this stage. But there's no there's never guarantees. Um, yeah, I mean those are, those are kind of the I'd say all those teams have almost an you know slightly equal chance of getting him, but I, I I just I I have so much skepticism that some of these teams with re, with really good players available, I, you know I think you can argue Askarov is one of the best athletes in in the draft, so I, I think he's up there with a lot of those guys. But I have a hard time believing uh, teams are going to pass on guys. I think are projected top pair defensemen or top pair for top line forwards. Uh, for the Russian goalie signed in the KHL to SKA, which has a ton of money and influence, um, I have I have a hard time seeing a team using a significant like high high pick uh, on a player in that situation. But I do recognize that after you get past the top three, um, there aren't a lot of players left that have a combination of high end athletic ability and high end hockey sense. At any position, other than maybe Jake Sanderson, 
Um, and so I think, you know, Askarov has a really appe- appealing upside for that reason and that he does check those boxes, even if he does play the position that has a lot of risk and is in a situation that has a lot of risk. So you raise a good point. This guy's not going to be ready for a while for any various number of reasons, but starting with the fact that he's a goalie. I wonder how much GM tenure or, you know, pressure to win in the short term is going to factor in. So, you, like, for instance, you've got him going to Nashville, and David Poyle, like, I don't think there's pressure on his job, but I think David Poyle wants to win immediately. Um, and I've had this conversation with some of the people who, who yeah. would be in this position to take him, and, you know, and they'll say, you know, realistically, you're picking him for the next GM. You're picking him for the next GM. Right. Who wants to do that? So who's so I'm looking in this range. Who maybe isn't picking him for the next GM? Well, you could say Steve Eiserman. Steve Eiserman may not be. He, he's picking him for himself. So that that maybe that factors in. And not that these guys think like this. Um, maybe have, Tom Fitzgerald you, with New Jersey, yeah, like new GM. Say, you, have two, you have two first year GMs in Minnesota, yeah. and New Jersey. Yeah, uh, Billy Guerin. I think could make a case that he's picking him for himself. Um, but after that, like. Mm, Anaheim Ducks, like Bob Murray, you know, there's maybe, uh, not that there's heat in Anaheim, but, you know, yeah. you, you know uh, who knows what's going on in Ottawa. Yeah. So, Car- I Carolina, how it's tough, tough to say what's going on over there. Um, <laughs> <I have laughs> it, no it is. Chance. Like, I, I don't know who's the GM there. Like, you know, like, it's, right. it's you know, yeah, I, mean, I know Don Waddell's the GM and he, he is the man, but you know what I mean? Like, in terms of, the, in like right. five years into the future, can you tell me he's going to be the GM there? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah, Has, does know, Tom Dundon have any um, hard and fast rules about drafting goalies? So when he gave yeah, that when he gave that famous interview, he said only defensemen. He didn't mention ah. goalies in it. So to, we'll have to get an update from City. Yeah, I've been. I people around the league seem skeptical of that one, but I think if he was there, I think it, you got to have that discussion. Um, um, you know, you can argue Ken Holland at Edmonton probably has some influence, but uh, I've had people argue to me. You know, I think it's hard to look Connor McDavid in the eye and say we just we just put we just yeah we took a guy. I'd say no way on that one. Kenny's like he's a win now guy. Not that you know, and, and they would do whatever's best for the franchise. But I just see Florida Panthers. I, I don't. Bill Zito's a first year GM, but he also has a goalie signed for the next decade, and Spencer Knight in the first round last year. So you could probably cross them off the list. Yeah, um, that's a that's a pretty safe assumption. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I I would I would be fascinated if they did that, just because I think like I, I've thought about this and we've you know I've had this debate with various people around the industry about if, what if Florida could do that or not, and just everyone seems to think it's, there's no chance it could happen. But I think there's like a debate of if you think like the guy's like the clear clear best player available, like you just gotta you you can't just pass up value just because you have a. You have an abundance like you just make the pick and you i would pick make the pick and then you try and move one of those guys but um but i realize it's easier said than done and it's hard to kind of look your owner in the eye just that we just took two goalies in the top 15 back to back yeah i mean it would just be asset management right like you're just like this is the most valuable player in this slot and we're doing the right thing i, I would love it by the way i would just lo- i would have so much respect for that pick yeah it would be a, a very interesting day and I, I said, I think it's easier for me to say that's what I would do. I think it's harder to look oh, at your owner and your, and, and, your, and your fans and say and, and rationalize this after your team seems to be kind of like going in the in the wrong direction. It's like, oh yeah, we have yeah. too many good, we have too many goalies now. <laughs> right, right. We're just loading up <laughs> in goal. Um, and for the record, Bill Zito has a record of um, he's he's got an eye for goalie. Like that's his reputation. He's as an agent, he he you know signed Tuka Rask and Tim Thomas and some of these guys. And then Columbus has done a good job finding guys late. And I think he right, had a big part of that. Right. But the thing with goalies too is, I'm sure you're well aware. Someone who watches hockey, you can only play one at a time. So you know it's, it's wait what not, you can yeah I know. So I mean that's a, that's a you know a variable in that you know you, you know you could always. You, there's, you, can, you can never have, you know, people always say you can never have too many good centers. You never have too many good defensemen. With goalies, you can you can have too many good goalies. Yeah. <laughs> at some point, they're just not playing. Does he get past the Leafs at 15? I don't know the answer to that question. I do I do think that that would be a consideration for them. Like, they're, that's one. Well, I mean, yeah. who knows what Kyle's I, status is. I, I, I think, I think, I think he, they, would have, they, would, they would be talking about that one. They'd have to take him. And then you're set. Oh, anyways. Anyways. That's fun. I, like, I, that, we've been talking about Askarov now for two years and where he's going to go. I can't, like, that to me is the best story. That's the, that's the storyline of this draft. Um, all right, last big goal, issue. Is where the goalie goes or that you think he's going to Toronto? 
No, not. I mean, not. I don't think he's getting to fifteen. Where 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 he goes? Yeah, yeah. No, I I think that's uh you know it's it's great, and I even it ended up might being a little bit lower than where we thought he might go a year ago. I still think you know it's uh you know he's he's a great story. Last big issue I want to talk about. We we kind of we we talked about Jake Sanderson. You have him going to the Ottawa Senators at five, but again we're in this murky part of the draft there. Um. Who else will? Who else do you like in that slot, or think we should consider besides Jake? Talking, talking about Ottawa, or just yeah, like Ottawa top, at five. Top, top no, Ottawa, I've, like yeah. I, I, the, the names I've heard have been Sanderson, Raymond, and um, Askarov being mentioned okay. around that slot. Um, I don't know. I've heard the odd Jack Quinn mentioned to me. I, I'm yeah. not. I'm, I'm not as. I think he's. I think he is a candidate to go in the top ten. Like he is definitely a candidate to go in the top ten, and not just Ottawa. Um, uh, there are various teams I've heard him link to there, but like I think, um, he, he, I think from from Ottawa, I think it'll be either Sanderson, Raymond, or, or Askarov. I've heard since my mock draft posted, I've heard I've had people text me. They think I didn't give the Raymond possibility enough credit when I when I wrote it up. Um, so we'll see. I have a few more days before I'll have to update that. Um, but uh, those are the three names I think are the most realistic possibilities there. Okay, great. So Corey, the, the the fun thing about the draft is, you know, at the last second you, you often hear, and I don't know if we're close enough to, to get any of this intel um, about player kind of moving up the board. And, and I think of the kid Arizona took a couple years ago that you were able to break that story. Um, like, who, who is being talked about now? Like, who? what are you hearing right now? And just in terms of the whole draft and you maybe teams doing something interesting or players that, that have really kind of moved to the forefront. I mean, yeah, I mentioned in the in the previous segment. I do think there are, there is, there's a lot of Jack Quinn buzz right now. He's he's a guy. Him and Jake Sanderson were the two guys who, towards the end of the year, really helped their stock. Like Jack Quinn went on like some sort of scorcher there the last few months, where he just was scoring every every single game. It seemed like, um, you know, I, I've heard him mentioned in New Jersey. I've heard him mentioned to Ottawa. I've heard him mentioned to Buffalo. Um, there's that's a guy who really wasn't even on like the, the never mind like the top ten. He wasn't even like on the first round radar to start the year. And yeah, I mean, like he was clear. There was he was a guy who you talk to people around the OHL. They're like, this kid's good. Like he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna have a good year. But nobody was realistically telling me, oh yeah, this court, this guy could go like in the top like eight picks. Like no, I, I never heard that being mentioned. And I'm not saying he is gonna go in the top eight, but he's definitely being discussed um, in that range. Um, and so that is one. It's definitely uh, he's definitely come on strong. Uh, the Russian forward Rodion Amarov uh, is probably one of the guys who's really helped himself. He's actually you know unlike some of the guys like Raymond or Holtz, he's actually had a month of of games by the time the draft mm. has happened. Interesting. And he's and he's performed rather well between Russia's U twenty camp and the KHL. Uh, his team's had some COVID issues, and he's thus he's gotten a lot more ice time than he probably would in a normal situation. And he and he's performed well in 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 those circumstances. Um, so that's that's a guy I'm hearing uh, has has helped himself a lot. Um, you had him uh, going to the Leafs, and I'm just kind of in the yeah. I, I have him going to the Leafs, but I like it wouldn't shock me if he went a little bit higher. I've had people tell me that he's not he's a he's a candidate to go you know into the into the higher parts of the teens. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the main ones that come to mind, and and thus the question is, okay, well, who goes the other way? Yeah. Um, I've had teams. Tell me they they wouldn't be surprised if either Marco Rossi or Alex Holtz gets out of the top ten. Hmm. Um, uh, I'm not saying it's a guarantee. Uh, and if I was doing a mock draft right now, I probably would have both of those guys. I might I probably have both of those guys in there. But if if you listen, if there's, there's only going to be so many top ten picks, if Jake Sanderson goes in the top ten, if Jack Quinn goes in the top ten, if Yaroslav Askarov goes in the top ten, one of those guys comes out. Um, so. Um, that would be the main things I'm hearing right now. Can I ask you about Rossi specifically? I, I feel like this is a guy that was, you know, a top five consideration half a year ago. Like, what is what has happened with him, or what are the concerns there? And I still think there are some teams who have him that range. Like, and I know, like, yeah. I think it's just a bit, a bit of a divide. There are some teams who are really, really big fans of this kid, and then some who are look at a guy who is roughly i think five nine like I, I forgot what he was measured in at um i'm kind of looking at it right now yeah he measured at five nine and he's a, just like a slightly above average skater if if that 
And I think they look at that combination like that's not really a, like that doesn't project to the pro game at a really significant level, even though he has tremendous skill and compete. Um, so I think people are looking at that and wondering, ooh, like that's a that that package may not play as well in the pros as, as it did in junior. Um, and for that reason, I don't think it's likely he'll go in that top five six range. I don't think he's going to last that much longer. But uh, that wouldn't be a guy I'd be betting on going in the range you mentioned. Okay. Any teams that you know, are trade up or trade down candidates that you you, you feel are are kind of eager to do something? Um, uh, I'll answer the question, but like I I feel like that's always like so speculative. Like yeah, it is speculative. I, I know because everybody's everybody's talking to everybody. Like sure, there's all kinds of discussions happening. Like um, I think. You know, it's it's easy for me to say I think Toronto's going to trade down because that's the thing that's the thing they tend to do. Yeah. Um. Uh. Nothing really jumps out to me. I do think the the, the one that stands out the most to me is if 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 Askarov's still there at Florida's pick. Mm. I feel that's like there could be some. I feel like that's a that's a pretty straightforward like. Right. Hey, anybody anybody want this guy kind of thing. That's interesting because. The, the thing about the Florida Panthers, there's not a lot. The, the cupboard is kind of bare for a team that hasn't won a lot. You know what I mean? Like, they, they do need to gather some assets. They, they In particular, they need centers and defensemen. They have some yeah. great winger prospects. They do not have centers of the future. They do not have defensemen of the future. Um, and I think you can, you know, if, they, if they're in that position where Ashgrove is still available, I think you can start hearing what kind of offers you have out there for a, for a team that – so there are definitely people out there who are not in the top ten who really want that goalie, so um, it would be interesting. Um, awesome. All right, our last segment. This has flown by. Um, is I'm gonna I'm gonna open it up to questions on Twitter, and let me just I'm gonna I'm just kind of scrolling through them here. Um, let's start with the Rangers question. So, if the Rangers keep their second first round pick. So that is the pick that they. Where is it at? Where's their pick? That's is that the Carolina pick? Yeah, that's number uh, twenty-two overall. I don't, I don't know. Like the yeah. Rangers, the Carolina, and Toronto kind of had all these like these conditions yeah, yeah, on yeah. their picks. Yeah, it's 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 one of them. Right. So the Rangers' second first round pick is number twenty-two overall. This question comes from Jason Evans. Do they go center? As we talked about, they need a center or. Or do you think they, is, this is a franchise to just go, you know, we're still building and we just go best player available? I mean, they'll probably tell you best player available. Yeah. And I, just, I know what they'll I just, tell us. Uh, they all, everybody says best player available. I know. We, you know we, we've had this discussion before on the podcast. That's what they tell us. And then when they, their actual discussions behind the scenes are a little different than that. Absolutely. Um, um, the thing about this draft is it's so forward tilted that I think just – the odds are the best player is going to be a forward. Maybe it may not be a center, but it's probably going to be a forward. I mean, that's been a discussion point for me going into the draft um, with a bunch of people in the NHL. Is how many defensemen do you think are real, realistically going to go? Like, I think in my mock draft I had seven defensemen. I think it was like that. I think it was that, which would be way on the low end. Like, it must be it would be one of the lowest amount of defensemen taken like in the last twenty years in the first round. Um, and I think, you know, realistically, just talking to people, there was like, I've heard people argue me, like, I think they think like Helge Grons might get in there, but like, that'd still only be eight. Um, like, I wasn't had, I didn't have people text me, like, hey, Corey, you missed like these four defensemen who might go in there. Like, no, like, that's like, you know, so I think this is, you know, if you want a good forward, there will be good forwards available. Hmm. That's a good segue to this question. This comes from Have Another Donut, is the screen name. Are New Jersey Devils fans <laughs> who perceive an immense need for defense, both at the NHL level and the system, underestimating what the Devils have? Hard to see them going three forwards with their first. Quite possible the top D will be gone by 18. So the Devils have three first-round picks. They have a need for defense. Um, but as you mentioned, this is a forward-heavy first round. So how, how do you balance that if you're the Devils? Um. I think in terms of getting one of the top two, be it uh, Drysdale and Sanderson, um, there is a possibility both are gone by seven. I think there's a reasonable chance you can get at least one, maybe like a like a four, maybe I'll say a forty percent chance at least you can get at least one of them at seven. That's the um, win for and, them, right? If one of those guys slips to seven, if you're the de- Devils. If you want the defenseman, then I guess sure. And in terms of the eighteen <laughs> or twenty, like I think you can get one of the 
the other two consensus top two D in Keaton Gooley and Braden Schneider. Yeah, um, I prefer Schneider to Gooley, but those are the kind of guys considered. And and they could both one of them, probably not both, but one of them could be. I wouldn't say he's a lock. Both of them are locked. One, sorry, I wouldn't say one is a lock to be there at eighteen, but I think you can get one of them at eighteen. Um, okay. Compared to what they currently have, um, I do like Ty Smith a lot. Um, I wouldn't say um, like, you know, he's some sort of like future like elite NHL defenseman. I don't really think I would say that about Drysdale or Sanderson either. But I would say you know they're roughly at the same caliber, if not higher. Um, you know, I like Kevin Ball, but you know, I don't think he's gonna. You know, the offense is gonna be a question for the NHL. I do think he's a, he's can be a, a quality NHL player, but I think it's fair to say, you know, listen, it's not. A, you know, you look, they've had two first overall picks. They picked two centers. Right. You know, the, the strength of their young organization, the, the strength of their young talent is at Ford right now. They don't have, you know, and I probably wouldn't say you're go, probably gonna get a Kale McCarr kind of player at seven. Like you're just not. I don't think that kind of player is there, but. Yeah, I mean, I would say ideally, like if they had Brain Schneider, Kane, Gould, I don't know if that moves the needle. But if you add a Jake Sanderson or Jamie Drysdale, like that's a pretty significant uh, amount of talent to add to your defense uh, uh, pool right there. I wonder if they're a move up candidate. What if you know if Detroit doesn't if they like five guys or something and at seven, then you you just keep then you add and you let New Jersey take four, they get their defenseman. Maybe, but like as much as we were talking about before, in terms about how much guys people move up and down, how often yeah. people like move up or down one or two spots. No, it never happens. You always you always talk. Uh, you love talking about it. I love fun, talking but... about moving in the draft, and it never happens. I wish people would move around. I mean, people. It does happen. It just doesn't happen at that range that you're discussing. Yeah. Like that no, happens. Right. The the trade up and trade downs happen much more often in the middle to late rounds, where the where the value you have to move is very insignificant. Um, compared to trying to move up five or ten spots in the first round, where you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta give up a lot. Next question comes from a reader named Haley Salvian, who says, who, "Read Haley's Who's work. That? She's <laughs> our senator's beat writer. Haley is the best. She, uh, she is a superstar in our industry, and I can't wait to see. She's, she's on a rocket ship right now. Um, Haley asks." The Senators' chief scout said he thinks there are going to be some high-quality players still available in round two. Do you agree? So this is kind of a depth question about this this year's draft. Like, how how high quality are we getting in round two? I don't know. What does high quality mean? Like, you know, are these guys who are going to play in the NHL? Are you talking guys? I think if you think you're realistically getting top four defensemen or top six forwards in the second round, I think that's an unrealistic expectation. Just it happens, Corey, like, every year. It does happen. It? it does happen. But... You know, the odds are there's going to be like three or four of those guys, not 20. So, yeah. you know, there's, you know, yeah. And, and the Sens have a high second round pick. I think, you know, when you're picking whatever it is, I think it's 34, 35. Yeah, you're hoping the player you're going to get there is a good player. Um, you know, is are they a lot to be a top six, top four type? Probably not. But you you are hoping, um, you know, I gave him uh, Tyson Forster in, the, in my mock draft at that slot. And that's a guy some NHL people do think could be a top six forward. So, you know, not everybody, but some. And, you know, so that's a player that's a lot. You know, when you get to, like, 50, like, no, come on. Like, you know, you're, you're hoping that person is, like, plays. You're not hoping that's a high-quality player. Right. Okay, keep it moving. This comes from Richard Bringer of Rain. He asks, is there any worry, and you touched on this slightly, but let's put a timeline on it. Any worry that Askarov, about Askarov leaving the KHL or being tied there long-term like Kuznetsov, Kaprizov, etc.? Yes. I mean, just yes. I mean, Ska's going to try and keep their players. I think, you know, from where it's worth, um, when I talked to put Coles in about this stuff last year, like whenever I talked about the NHL, his NHL future, he would like hinted it. He would have been very vague about it, though. He didn't like to talk about it. He liked talking about, you know, you know, how much he liked playing for the Russian national team, or his, you know, how much he, what he wanted to accomplish with Ska. Like, you know, he was, he was a little more hesitant. I do think he's going to come to Vancouver, but, I, I, but like, I'm just contrasting that to like when I talked to Askarov, where like, right. when I talked to, I only interviewed him once because you know these guys are not easy to get interviews with. Um, but like, he seemed like very eager to play in the NHL. He was talking yeah. about how much how much NHL teams he's talked to. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, he's like he's a guy who's like he's like he like you know he said he's he's like looked at their depth charts to see like where he could fit into these certain organizations. Like, he seemed more like he se- he definitely seemed more like have have his eye towards the NHL than the average top Russian prospect I've talked to. 
But okay. It's, but Ska is a rich organization, and mm-hmm. they you know they are going to try and keep him. Doesn't mean they'll succeed, but they're going to try. All right. Let's try to cram a few more in here before producer Jeff gets mad. This comes from That's Alex fine. Nylander Elite. He asks, um, or she, thoughts on Dawson Mercer for the Hawks at 17? He's a good player. I like him at 17. Like, you know, I've, I've heard, like, I think I think Dawson Mercer's a really good player. I think he's got high-end skill and, and hockey sense, and he competes really well. He can score. Feet are low average. Uh, I've had some people mention, like, the Mark Stone comp to me. I probably wouldn't go that far, but, like, I think, like... I <laughs> if think, you can like, get you Mark know, Stone at 17, I say take him. Yeah, no, I, I don't think he's that good, but like I think, like I think he's like he's a really, I think he could be a really, you know, quality top six four in the NHL. Like I, I'm a big, I know some people who are worried about him because of the skating, and they don't think the skills like that elite. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm a big fan. Like, and I've, you know, from the little I've watched of him, you know, I've not just little, like a lot I've watched him the two previous years, and the little I've watched him in the preseason. Like, I mean, I just, you know, I think he's he's a really great player. I think he'd be, you know, mid mid first round. That's a, that's a nice player to get. All right, this comes from, I'm going to go French pronunciation on this, uh, Stephen Carrier, who asks, and I like this question, how much time do teams spend on trying to figure out other teams, how they will draft, or do they just focus on their own list and block out the noise? They definitely do spend time on it. Um, and it, it, it's relevant information because you want to know who's going to be available at your slot. Um, you know, So that kind of stuff happens during the year. It doesn't happen as much as it does around this time, but there is definitely a little bit like people lining each other up, like, hey, what decision makers are showing up at what games kind of thing. Like that information gets shared around a little bit. And then it's particularly around this time of year. Like you're trying to, you know, you have your targets, the guys you want to draft, and then you need to find out, you know, okay, you know, well, where are they going to go? You're talking to their, you know, talking to their managers, you're talking to their agents, you're talking to other people you, you trust in the, in, the, in, in the industry. You know, they're trying to figure out you know, can we get our guys at this slot? If not, what do we need to do? Um, you know, can we get our guys if we trade back? Um, you know, can we get acquire value? Um, you know, you never really know. You're making calculated bets, but there is a lot, of, like especially around this, this right what we're doing right now. There is so much eyeing each other up. Yeah. Um, right now, and and trying to figure out who likes who. Uh, this question comes from oh another one from Richard. What do, you, what do you think is more overanalyzed, prospects like Byfield with younger birth, birthdays or prospects like Rossi with older birthdays? Thanks. What does that mean? I think, um, I don't know. I, I, I just, my guess is like, like how much time do teams spend on either of those things? The, the fact that a guy is younger, uh, you know, uh, or older compared to his draft comparables. Like how much does that factor into the decision making? I mean, it's a, it is definitely a factor. Like, I don't know if one of those things gets overanalyzed relative to the other one. I think you can talk about whether that issue as a whole gets over or underanalyzed. Uh, and I think you can argue it's... Uh, I think there was a time where it was somewhat underanalyzed, and I probably would argue it's still slightly underanalyzed, but I think most teams, like... You know, there's there are there are very few like, you know, you know low hanging fruits left in professional sports. Like there are people, you know, the, these teams have analytics departments and they and they and they identify that stuff real quickly. Um, and I think like I think everyone's kind of cognizant of those effects. Um, so I don't know, like I think like I think there was a time where that was a pretty significant variable and it was really skewing people's drafts. You saw it like in the numbers that there was a lot of overreaching for older players that weren't as good. Like, like, there's just, you know, so many examples can go back over the next last 15 years. Um, but I think in more recent years, I, I think, like, when you talk about just maybe not, I can't really go through, like, the numbers in, the, in terms of the draft picks, but just like, talking to the organizations, like, they're all aware of these variables, and um, I think they give it appropriate weight. All right, let's lightning round these last few. This comes from Sugar. No, I'm not good at lightning rounds, you know that. Come, well, I, I know, I know, I know you're not. Uh, lightning round. What I mean by lightning round is like keep it under like ten minutes. Thanks, Corey. What will it take for you to finally move on from Casey Middlestat? Um, I mean, I mean, what was he like, twenty or twenty-one last year? I don't like, know these. Uh, I don't know. How old I mean, are any of us, Corey? You know that. That's my answer to that question every time. I mean, you know, like. Yeah, he didn't know. Yeah, listen, I'm not gonna sit here and say it's gone well the last two years, but yeah, I mean, he 
Uh, he's turned. He was 21 last year. He'll he'll be 22 going into next season. Like I think you know, there's a lot of older players who become good NHLers after that point. And, and when I watched him in Rochester, I thought he was really impressive. Like I don't, he didn't put up like giant numbers, but like, I thought like, you know, when I watched him, he was creating a lot and seemed like he was a top player for that team. And I don't know if you're, if you're usually a top player for a quality AHL team at at age 21. That's usually predictive that you're going to be an NHL player. Does he mean he's going to be a great NHL player, a top 10? or even like a top 15 pick caliber guy. I'd, I'd probably argue that's unrealistic at this stage, but I think he could still be a useful NHL player. All right. This, co- this question comes from Wally Maz. Can you provide a little scouting report on Hugo Olis, who I've never heard of? I saw you had him in the Hawks on your seven-round mock. Couldn't help noticing he's 6'8", 238 pounds at only 18. Yes, he's a big goalie. Like, you know, I... That's a, oh, yeah, that's a big goalie. <laughs> you know, there's always those kind of guys taken in the draft, the guys who are maybe not like, you know, these elite, elite athletes or guys who've made national teams. I don't think all us has ever played on a national team before. But I know, like, people people have watched him in the, in the J20 League and they just got interested, intrigued by the size there. And, um, he, um, yeah, I, he's just been, I haven't seen him a ton since he played with the 17 program, but I just know he's a guy who's been mentioned to me as a guy who could be picked because of the elite athlete he is. By athlete, I didn't mean like quickness, but I mean just like the size factor. This comes from Adam Flett, who asks, uh, with Askarov being the only first-round goalie in your mock, uh, who are some second- or third-round goalies worth targeting for the teams that don't get Askarov? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, there is no, I would say, consensus number two goalie right now. There's a bunch of guys I've heard mentioned to me. Uh, Jan Bednosh from the Czech, who's going to play in the queue this upcoming season. Uh, Drew Comesso with the NTDP. Uh, Joel Blomqvist um, with, uh, in, in Finland. Kelly Klang in Sweden. Um, uh, I wouldn't say like there's a guy among that group, though, that clearly jumped out. I think this guy's definitely going to be the second goalie off the board. I think they're all kind of in that same mix together, um, all roughly equal caliber. Um, I like Dylan Garand a lot too out of Kamloops, but he's a little bit on the smaller side. I'm skeptical he'll go top three rounds. I've heard more like late rounds. Um, those would be the main guys I'd mention. Um, all right, this one is uh, I asked for some non draft related. What's your food choice during a virtual draft? What are you going to be eating? Hmm, that's a good, that's a that's a good question. I haven't I haven't thought of that yet. Okay. I think I think we're gonna go pizza that night, but we ha- have not I have not made any decisions yet. On you that have front. not. Okay. So if you percentage wise, like we're at about a sixty five percent on pizza. Sixty five percent on pizza. Yes. Okay. Thirty five percent for the field. <laughs> I'll take the field. Last, I I love the field always. Um, Last question. Bob, we know Bob McKenzie goes straight for the margarita when he's done with his coverage. What's Corey's go-to as soon as the draft coverage ends? From puck, from pucks and pitchforks. Um, so I you know, usually when we usually when we got done the draft when it was like um, when it was done in um, when it when we did in various cities, usually we yeah. we go we usually would go out for beers afterwards. Yeah. I would say I'm gonna get a nice bottle of probably a nice bottle of white wine for this for this occurrence. Um, but the All thing right. about this year's draft is like what's gonna be really unique about this year is you know usually like the draft is kind of like the culmination of the year's work. Um, you know when it's over you you celebrate it's the beginning of the off season beginning of the summer yeah you go, go um, to the cottage yeah you know like it's it's you know it's, it's time to start your vacation and like time to like really start to, i mean typically i'd go to like usa select camp something like that but like, typically it's, it's the start of the vacation but like in this circumstance like you know it's, it's not really like that like you right. know the q you know as we record this the qmjhl starts their season today uh right. liga starts their season yesterday uh, European leagues are well into their year. The USHL is going to start in a few weeks. Um, we don't really, I think, have that time to kind of start like that celebration phase um, and you know pretend like it's this is it's time to start your you know time to start, you know take some time off like it's, right. it's it's back to work like the second that draft is over. Like I was making calls like yesterday about some of the top twenty one guys and their injury status and stuff like that. It's it's. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's 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 interesting year, as I'm sure everybody who's listening to this is aware. <laughs> I like the answer from Ryan Meyer, who answered the question for us. He said he guessed Hawaiian Punch, which I liked. I can see you <laughs> just knocking out a giant thing, Hawaiian Punch. Corey, thanks 
for doing this. This is always a fun episode. Um, and enjoy these last few days. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be wild. We you can you why don't you tease? You've got a, one more mock draft. Anything else you want to tease in terms of your coverage going into the draft? Yeah, I mean, we'll be covering the draft obviously live. Uh, we'll have a we'll have a pick by pick coverage of the first round. I'll have all my thoughts on the draft post after the sec after this after the seventh round is completed. Not immediately after, but probably probably later that day. We'll have a, a thorough review of the draft go up that day, and then, like I said, um. Next year is right around the corner, so we'll have something on the 21 draft up relatively soon as well. Awesome. If you haven't updated your athletic app, we now have short, quick hit thoughts from our writers and all of our repeat writers and Corey will be weighing in during the draft on, on that. So make sure you update that. If you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash full60 and you've got a great deal running right now. Or if you want to reward Corey for his hard work, go to one of his stories and subscribe through his story. Um, or one of mine. We got a lot of a lot of trade stuff going on, a lot of free agency. There is a ton going on, so make sure you're reading it all in the Athletic. Uh, as always, thanks Corey for doing this. And if it, listeners, if you have a second to review this and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you're listening, I always appreciate it. Helps grow the audience. Uh, have a great weekend, and everybody enjoy the draft. We've only been waiting a thousand years for this, so <laughs> enjoy it. Thanks Corey. Yep, sure. Thanks Corey.